I, I, th- I always like to kind of start things off with a, a pop quiz, just to make sure people are with me. So here, here's the quiz. Uh, what do the following eight biblical characters have in common? All right. So we got Abraham and Moses and Joseph and Jonah and Ruth and Esther and Paul and John. Now, there may be more than one right answer, and I don't really expect you to pull the answer out of, uh, out of anywhere. I'm looking for the fact that all of these eight individuals were uprooted from their comfort zone and sent by God to accomplish his mission or some portion of that mission. Let me just go through those people again for you. Abraham, you'll recall, was sent to Canaan. God called him out of his homeland, Haran, and asked him to leave his family, his job, everything that he had there, and God would lead him to a land that he would show him, not one that he knew anything about. Moses was a missionary. God called him out of the Sinai Desert, sent him back to Egypt to pick up several hundred thousand people and guide them back to the promised land. It took him 40 years, but he finally delivered them to their destination. And Joseph, Joseph had a rather peculiar calling. His, his brothers nominated him and, um, as you recall, sold him into slavery. He ended up in Egypt on a rather bizarre mission to save his family back home and in the process to deliver the entire country of Egypt from a seven-year famine. Jonah. You all remember how God interrupted Jonah's life? A bit of a fishy story. Uh, usually fishermen tell a story about the big one that got away, but it was Jonah who actually got away, and I probably don't need to regurgitate the whole story for you. <laughs> Jonah. And then there was Ruth, who left her country of Moab to become an Israelite. She thought her mission was to help her mother-in-law out, but instead ended up with a husband and became the great-grandmother of King David and an eventual ancestor of Jesus himself. And Esther, who wasn't looking for a husband, but got recruited to be a contestant in King Xerxes' version of The Bachelor, her mission wasn't please the king, despite what the king thought. Her mission turned out to be rescuing the people of God from genocide. And Paul, who was originally Saul of Tarsus, the zealous Jewish persecutor of Christians, is dramatically called to become one of those that he persecuted and then to share the message with the Gentiles whom he despised once. And John, the beloved disciple of Jesus, who ended up being exiled to the island of Patmos, a deserted island in the Mediterranean, and while there was given a stirring vision of God's final victory and coming kingdom, a mission designed to forever encourage the heart of Christ's followers throughout the age. It's interesting, isn't it, how all of their normal lives got dramatically interrupted. And... uh the interruption involved each of these characters being sent somewhere to accomplish the por- a portion of God's mission. But in fact, when you actually read through the Bible as you're doing, 
you'll discover that pretty much every major character who was used by God was sent somewhere that they wouldn't normally have gone to do something that God wanted to get done. Now, I don't know about you, but I I think it's curious that God is so intent on sending people to places that they wouldn't normally go to and to people that they wouldn't ordinarily hang out with. If you think about it again for a moment, I mean, why couldn't Abraham become the father of a great nation right in Haran, his homeland? And why did Moses have to go back to Egypt when Aaron was already there? And couldn't God have enabled Joseph to save his family from famine with all, without all of that pain and all those years of suffering in Egypt? Why did Jonah have to go to Nineveh? Surely there was some local preacher in Nineveh that God could have persuaded easier to lead a revival than Jonah. And did Ruth really have to leave all of her relatives and friends in Moab? Couldn't God have used her there amongst familiar surroundings to care for her mother-in-law? Wasn't there at least one Moabite guy who would have qualified to be her husband? Esther. Did God really have to subject her to such a jerk of a husband as Xerxes? Why not just have Haman meet with an unfortunate accident before he set all these things into motion? And uh, weren't there any potential Greek guys who could have become missionary to the Gentile people? Why would you forcibly have to blind and convert some fanatical Jew to do the job? And, and did John really have to get exiled to Patmos to receive a vision? Peter got his vision, sunning himself on the deck, waiting for supper. <laughs> and the, the ultimate answer to all of these questions is, we don't know why. It's, um, it's a question that's totally above our pay grade. It's, it's God's mission. He's rolling it out. He's the one implementing the strategy. But one thing is pretty apparent, and that is that going is very repetitive as a theme for accomplishing his mission. And perhaps we shouldn't be surprised, after all, our commander Jesus himself was sent, wasn't he? Think about Jesus. Uh, His peace and tranquility were definitely interrupted when he left the comforts of heaven to enter life in this world What a shock that must have been. Jesus allowed the incarnation to interrupt his existence in order that he might accomplish the pivotal piece in God's mission. And after he had accomplished that mission, after he had died and conquered death and opened up a rescue route to all mankind, just before he returns to heaven, he delivers a mandate to his followers. Remember what it was? Go. Go and make disciples of all people. There's the word go and the mission stated all in the same sentence. So a couple years ago, as you may be aware, I began working with Lifeline Christian Mission. And since then, I've done a fair bit of going, visiting some of Lifeline's works in Haiti and Honduras, in Cuba, in Arizona, in El Salvador, in Panama, 
And over the course of these months, I've observed a lot of other people who are going for the sake of God's kingdom and his mission as well. In fact, Lifeline's vision statement is to spark a life on mission for God, everyone, everywhere. And so every year, Lifeline invites uh, literally hundreds of people to participate in short-term mission trips to all of these countries in Central America and amongst the Navajo people in the U.S. and even up here in Canada. We have two mission uh, teams coming uh, to the Calgary area this summer. And every year through Lifeline's ministry, thousands of children get sponsored and educated and thousands more are cared for in the health clinics. Hundreds of people are baptized into Christ and connected to local churches. Uh, Hundreds of homes get built in Haiti. And new churches are planted in these countries every year. And every year, millions of meals are packed by local churches, schools, service organizations, and then distributed around the world for crisis situations. Since I began working for Lifeline, I've been thinking more and more about uh, this curious principle that God seems to employ, his sending people to different places. And I've been wondering about how that applies to you and I. After all, if uh, if you're a follower of Jesus, then you're a missionary. Every one of us. A missionary is just anyone who is on a mission. And when we said yes to Jesus, we signed on to his mission. Paul says that we become ambassadors of God's kingdom. God has given us this task, he says, of reconciling people to him. He gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation, so we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. I think we all would agree that these eight uh, biblical characters that I mentioned when we began this morning, all of them were missionaries. God interrupted their lives, commissioned them for a specific task, but those eight are not alone. If you just turn your head and look at the person next to you, the person behind you, the person in front of you, you'll see missionaries sitting all around you. Now, am I suggesting that every follower of Jesus here in Clyde needs to move to Central America? Or that Christians, I know, on a morning like this, we're all up for it, right? (laughs) Except Angie. I know, Angie likes winter. Or that Christians in South America should move to Siberia, or that uh, none of it Christians should pack their belongings and shift their residence to London in order to accomplish the mission of God. Well, not exactly. I, I don't think we can back that premise up with Scripture. But there is a principle here that I believe we need to wrestle with and come to grips with. When we answered the call to follow Jesus, he called us out of our old life, didn't he? In fact, Tom, I think you read something about dying to our old life. We're told to leave that life behind. It's dead. And we are now new people who belong to a new king and a new kingdom, and we have a totally new mission in our lives. I just want to draw your attention for a moment to um, Mark 6, where Jesus sends out his disciples. He was going, Jesus was, from village to village teaching people, and he, he called his 12 disciples together, and he began sending them out two by two, giving them authority to cast out evil spirits. And he told them to take nothing for their journey except a walking stick, no food, 
no traveler's bag, no money. He, he allowed them to wear sandals, but uh, you can't take a change of clothes. Wherever you go, he said, stay in the same house until you leave town. But if any place refuses to welcome you or listen to you, shake its dust from your feet as you leave to show that you have abandoned these people to their fate. And so the disciples went out telling everyone they meant to repent, to repent of their sins and turn to God. Now, Jesus was interrupting their lives in a way when he called them away from their fishing villages and their tax collecting and their everyday work, even from their families. And then he sends them out to villages where they didn't belong, and he advised them against taking any provisions. The big concession is you can take sandals, no change of clothes. What was that all about? And what do we learn from their their experience and the experience of the eight that we have already mentioned? Are there some significant reasons for why God might interrupt our lives and call us to go to places that we're not completely comfortable in and share the good news with people that we wouldn't normally share and hang around with? Let me just suggest three possible reasons. The first one is that I believe, and I think you may believe as well, that God is totally focused on developing our dependency on him. Now, I know that we all want to be independent. I'm there with you. But in the kingdom of God, dependence on him is the primary objective. Without faith, in fact, the Bible says it's impossible to please God. Have you ever noticed that when your faith or your dependence on God is growing, what's going on in your life? Difficult things. Interruptions that we wouldn't choose. It's usually when we have lost some of our usual set of props. Things like our financial security, our our family securities, uh, our close friend securities. Maybe those are some of the reasons that God called Abraham out of Haran and put him through all of those tests so that one day he could be called the father of faith. Maybe it's why he stripped Joseph of all of his comfort, his freedom, his family, his reputation, even his right to justice. So that one day his dependence upon God could influence an entire nation. Maybe that's why Esther was isolated from her friends and family, thrust into an utterly out-of-control situation in which she had to gamble her life for the sake of God's mission because he was developing her trust, her dependence on him. And I think this is why Jesus told his disciples to take nothing for your journey. If God has called us to be ambassadors, then we need to remember that ambassadors give up their right to live among the comforts of their home and homeland for the sake of their king and his mission. So one reason God interrupts our normally secure life and calls us in uncomfortable situations is to cultivate this dependence on him. He wants to grow our trust in his provision for us. And that's certainly one of the key reasons for people engaging in short-term mission trips. They take us out of our comfort zone. 
They force us to rely on him on ways that we would never do back home. They put us in places where our English language skills and our Anglo arrogance are often of no advantage. It's a great environment to develop our trust in God. So a second reason, I think, for interrupting our lives is because God's mission is all about reconciling people to himself, and that involves reconciling us to one another. Once we're members of his family, we we must be united with each other. We cannot be God's sons and daughters and not be brothers and sisters with others who are also his children. God's kingdom mission is all about erasing the barriers that sin has erected between us. Who did Jesus point out to the Jewish lawyer when that lawyer inquired about who his neighbor was? Not his Jewish friend. No, it was a Samaritan. Love your neighbor as yourself. Well, okay, but a Samaritan? And what did Paul have to say? He said, for Christ himself has brought peace to us. He united Jews and Gentile into one people when in his own body on the cross, he broke down the wall of hostility that separated us. Isn't it interesting that this unity that the Bible talks about so often is exactly what people all over the world are longing for and yet is being thwarted on every front. And it will never really take place without people first being reconciled to God. This is the amazing result of God's mission, in fact, being reconciled to God and then finding ourselves reconciled to each other. And so it begins when we when we cross barriers to share the gospel, the good news. Joseph saves who? Egyptians, by God's grace. Paul becomes an apostle to the Gentiles. Jay and Colette, I don't know if you know Jay and Colette from our church in Bow Valley. A couple of Canadian women are over in Poland, of all places, sharing God's grace. Jose, a native of Panama, is in El Salvador developing leaders and starting churches. Debbie and I, just like you folks, have neighbors from China from Afghanistan. It just seems to be God's way. He sends us to those that we wouldn't ordinarily hang out with to keep reminding us that all of us belong in God's kingdom. Even Jesus in that sixth chapter of Mark discovers that he can't really get any traction in his hometown of Nazareth, right? The place that he's probably most comfortable The fact is that even his people, the Jews, were slow adapters. They chose not to believe in him. And so he ends up going to places where he didn't really belong. And the gospel really begins to flourish amongst the pagan Gentile nations. A third reason that I can think of for God dislocating us from our comfort zone is that God wants to keep us somewhat disconnected from this world because this isn't our home, despite what we might feel. 
John writes, Do not love this world nor the things it offers you. This world is fading away along with everything that people crave, but anyone who does what pleases God will live forever. Good soldiers, Paul reminds Timothy, don't get tangled up in the affairs of civilian life. And after all, what is a soldier but a missionary? A person, a man or a woman on a mission. Uh, This world has a way of pulling us into its values and behaviors, inviting us to become as comfortable as possible here for as long as possible, which really isn't all that long. All the while, God's Spirit is constantly pulling us towards eternity and kingdom values and the mission of inviting as many people as possible to join us on that amazing adventure. Dislocation helps keep us mobile, prevents us from getting root-bound here on earth. At the end of the day, of course, I don't know what God is calling you to or where he's calling you to. I have a hard enough time determining what God wants me to do and where he's calling me to serve, but I am pretty confident that God's intent on interrupting your life in some fashion. He's calling you to go somewhere and do something to advance his mission. And I think it's safe to suggest that he wants to stretch you and me, and he wants to grow our dependence on him, and that he has some people who are different from you and different from me that he wants us to introduce to him and become family with. And I know that he has plans to settle us, but that's not here, not in this world. Jesus said he's going to prepare a place for us, but that place is not some beach house on a tropical island. Believe it or not, it's an even better place. So maybe God is calling you to cross the street and talk to your newly immigrated neighbor. Could be that your mission is to start a small group in your community or sponsor a child. Maybe it's to become crazy generous and give away lots of money. Maybe it's to go to Bible college and get some training. And wouldn't it be wild if God wanted you or I to help start a new church in a different city or build a relationship with someone at work or go work in an orphanage in some place that you have never been before? Maybe he's calling you to engage in a short-term mission trip and expand your horizon and your heart. And on that note, uh, we're planning a construction trip in May to Port Salou. Um, most of you, I think, would be aware that Rico and Mandy are making plans to return to Port Salou and Haiti in 2020. And um, so Li- uh, Lifeline is working with uh, Rico on that plan. And uh, we want to have a home ready for them when they move back there. Because one of the things that Rico is quick to tell everybody is his first venture over there was a, was not uh, the, the most comfortable for Mandy. And uh, his assumption of where the best place to live turned out not to be the best place to live. So uh, they're relocating to within the compound in Port Salou. And uh, we want to build a home for them there. And the cost of that will be about $50,000. We start construction in May on a 10-day mission trip. So any of you that don't mind manual labor or like to do construction or want to get stretched in some fashion and would like to join us, 
please talk to me afterwards and uh, we'll arrange to get you involved in that trip. So I don't know where God is calling you specifically, but I think uh, we need to start asking him more often and more insistently, God, where do you want me to go? Who do you want me to go to? I do know this. God's on the move, and if we're truly going to be his sons and daughters, we need to get out of our comfortable chairs. We need to start moving, and we need to start asking for his guidance and start learning to trust him instead of trusting ourselves. I'm I'm just learning like you are, but I know one thing. I don't want to be one of those who refuses to go where I'm sent or where God's calling me to go. You remember Lot's wife? She turned back and she became what? A permanent pillar in the Sodomite society. She resisted God's interruption. The ten Israelite spies who let fear overcome their faith, they they never made it into the promised land. Voting against God's interruption, they got their wish and they, uh, they were put to death. Ananias and Sapphira, who didn't want the mission of God to disrupt their financial security and found that their very lives interrupted by death. I don't want to be recorded in that book, the book of resisting God's mission, the record of those who avoided God's interruption. So let's start asking, how is my life lining up with God's mission? And let's try some going to people that are different than us, And why not put ourselves in some situations that aren't entirely comfortable, where we aren't completely in control, and see how God might stretch us. Let's continue to spark one another's life on mission. Everyone, everywhere. Pretty much every major character who is used by God was sent somewhere that they wouldn't normally have gone to do something that God wanted to get done. And I probably don't need to regurgitate the whole story for you. (laughs) 